Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Father, we thank you that we are here together like this. I thank you, Lord, for those who are watching right now or listening later who can't be with us for one reason or another. And I pray that you will unite all of our hearts and minds and in your spirit and that you would work today and speak to us through your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was growing up in my elementary years, we lived in Missouri, and uh, because of my father's uh, occupation, airline pilot, and his flexibility, some of his schedule, and, and um, the means by which to do it, we took amazing vacations in the Rocky Mountains out west. And uh, it was just, I mean, there's so much out there to see. I mean, New England is beautiful, I love New England. But there's something else different. It's different. Different sized mountains, different kind of scenery. Uh, but anyway, we took these trips. And when, when, like I said, my brother and I, we were in elementary school. And, and we remember, I remember driving up through the mountains and, and just seeing everything. And we were so intrigued by the fact that there were piles of snow here and there in the mountains, even though it's a hot summer day. Because we never lived in New England when there's snow in the parking lots at you know, the Shaw's in June. But anyway, so that was, that was cool to get out and play. And then they, there were these places where you had these huge rock slabs. I mean, huge. And, and my brother and I literally wore holes in the back of our pants sliding down those things. It was so fun. Uh, I remember another thing that my father told my brother and I started telling us a story, uh, an old story about uh, an Indian tribe that lived in, in the mountains out there. And... Uh, there was this one family with a son who had a very distinctive Indian name. And, uh, but one day he walked out of camp, and, and when he should have come back, he never came back. And so the parents were all worried, and they went looking for him, and the tribe went looking for him, and they, and they couldn't find him. And so they thought, well, what are we going to do? So, so they determined to, to reach out for help, more help, others to help them. And so they put signs along the roads. And my dad pointed those signs out to us. Watch for falling rock. Think about that, man. You thought I was being so serious, didn't you? But that's the truth. That is true. My, my father did that to us and my brother, and I don't know how long, but we believed it for a while. Look, there's another sign, falling rock. But... Um, so driving through those, the, the roads and the mountains, another thing that we experienced, and, and, and the same thing exists up here. I know on the Kangamangas Highway, it's like this, but you'd be driving along, and there was a, there'd be signs that said, Scenic Vista ahead. All right, See, a viewpoint, a place to stop and see something, Scenic Vistas. And so we um, would stop, you know, you pull off the road, sometimes you had to walk a little ways, whatever, and all of a sudden there is this an amazing view that you, it was different than the road that you're on. I mean, the road is awesome. The road was taking you where you were going and it was beautiful, but there was something about you, these, these vistas along the way that you saw things that you didn't see otherwise. And that were really just, I mean, like, you know, the kind of thing where your jaw just drops, like, even as a kid. Amazing thing, the scenic vistas. Well, that's the way 
we're going to look at the resurrection story today. The resurrection is the story, right? And then and, uh, Melanie and Mackenzie read to us John chapter 20, which is where we are going to be today. The story of the resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to Christianity. There is no Christianity if Jesus is still in the grave somewhere. There is no Christianity. Scriptures are quite clear on that. If he did not rise, we, we don't have a sacrifice for our sins. We don't have a hope of life when this life ends. It, it all falls apart. There is no Christianity. But the scripture is quite clear that, what the angels say? He is not here, but is risen. He's risen, okay? Uh, the apostle Paul, or excuse me, Luke says, he also presented him a life by many infallible proofs. And then Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, like, like I said, he said, if, we have, if Christ is not risen, we have no hope. He says, but Christ is risen. He is risen from the dead. Now, you might be here with us today and say, I don't know about that. This resurrection from the dead thing. Uh, and that, I, I get that. I mean, I have never seen anybody rise from the dead, okay? Because, you know why? It doesn't happen. People don't just rise from the dead. And so if you're here or you're watching or you're listening later and you say, man, I just don't know about that. Hey, I get that. I understand, all right? And, and many, many years ago, I didn't necessarily understand that either. And I thought, well, maybe he rose spiritually or maybe it's a, a kind of like a myth and a symbol and all this kind of stuff. But as a young man, I was exposed to uh, evidence that as part of the whole process in me coming to faith in Christ, that I reached a conclusion that, wow, yeah, even though I've never seen this happen, I believe that it did happen for good reason, a historical event. And and we can look and so I would encourage you if, if you're there today and saying, boy, I'm not sure. First, I understand. OK, and that's that's all right that you're there. Uh, but I would encourage you that if Jesus rose from the dead, that is the most important event in all of history. And you need to find out whether or not it's true. Okay? And so on our Facebook page, I put two videos. OK, Life Source Church Facebook page, two videos. One's a short one, just gives the brief overview of here's the reasons why we believe that he rose from the dead. And then there's a much longer video that I, I referenced in the comments section. Excellent, excellent video. I encourage you to go and watch it. And then if you have any questions or want to talk about it, I'd be glad to do that. So the resurrection is like when we were on vacation, the resurrection today is like that main road. Okay, that is the road that, that we are on. But what we're going to do today is as we're on that road, we're going to notice different vistas, resurrection vistas, scenic points that will speak to us very personally, very practically, very powerfully. So let's take our Bibles and go to the Gospel of John. John chapter 20. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to pick up one. There should be one under the chairs in front of you nearby somewhere. And we encourage you to turn to page 1249 and follow along. We're not going to reread the whole chapter. Uh, they did a wonderful job of reading that for us. We're just going to hit these scenic vistas along the way, resurrection vistas. 
John chapter 20 and verse number one. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now that seems like not that huge of a statement, saw that the stone was taken away from the tomb. But that was a big, big thing. Because the stones that were used to put in front of tombs like this uh, were pretty good sized. And they, were, they would actually uh, cut a little slot next in front of the, the tomb area at an angle and put the stone there and block it. And then when they were done, they, burying the person, they would knock that uh, block out and the stone would roll down in front. And that stone would weigh anywhere from 2,000 to 4,000 pounds. Okay, so uh, Mary Magdalene and other women coming to the tomb because they were concerned that Jesus hadn't got a proper burial. And so, but, but, let me tell you the point I want you to see. Here's the vista, okay? And that's this, that the Lord can move insurmountable obstacles in your life. He can do that. And we see that the women were concerned about this. In Mark chapter 16 and verse number three, it says this, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? How is this going to happen? Okay, because it was beyond their ability. It was really an insurmountable obstacle. Two to 3,000 pound stone that these ladies were going to try to move away. It was beyond them. Beyond what they could even figure out how to make happen. I want to say to you that in our lives, sometimes there are things that are beyond us that we can't figure out how to make happen. Obstacles that we can't figure out. How in the world do we overcome this obstacle? How do we get around this obstacle? How do we remove this obstacle? And we don't know. Things like, you know, you may be single here. Or you may be single again. And you're looking at your life and you're trying to think how in the world, you know, the way I pictured life and what is, it's not that way. And I don't know how I go forward. I don't know how I do this. There, there are things that I, I can't figure out that are beyond me. But maybe that you're here in, in, in your marriage today. It's, uh, it's really not good. Not good at all. And, and you aren't sure, am I going to be able to stay married, which I want to, but at the same time, I don't know if my marriage is going to survive. And, and, and you think, what is that going to mean in my life? And it's just this huge obstacle that you don't know how to overcome. It may be that in your family or your extended family, there's an, a, an older child, maybe an adult child, who has made decisions and is making decisions that bring, like, in seemingly irreconcilable division into the family and how do, how do we deal with this? With, and you can't figure out how to respond in a way that's going to make anything work. You know, it could be financial crisis that you find yourself in or, or health issues that you look at and say, oh man, this is overwhelming. I don't know how we're going to do this. It could be, as we sang about, it could be an addiction that you just can't figure out how to overcome or to get free of. It might be spiritual doubts. You find yourself doubting things that you, you thought were settled in your life. It 
could be despair, depression, anxiety, any number of things in your life today that just seem overwhelming. You can't see a way around it. You can't see a way of removing it. You, you can't see a way of living with it. The Lord can take care of those insurmountable obstacles. He can. He, he can work in our lives. And, and he can either remove the obstacle, like he moved the stone for these ladies, or he could show you a way around it. He might even, like he did with the Apostle Paul, give you the grace to live with it. But God will enable you. Insurmountable obstacles are not insurmountable to God. Okay? Think rising from the dead. The Apostle Paul talked about this in his first or second letter to the Corinthians. And he said, man, our situation, you got to know that we were in, it was just beyond us. We were crushed. We were overwhelmed. We didn't have any clue how to get out of this. We thought death was the only certainty here and all this kind of stuff. And he, he, but God delivered him from it. It actually probably threw it. <laughs> and he says, what we learned was that we could trust the one who raises people from the dead. See, God is not limited by the things that limit us. Uh, he can raise you. Now, what I want to say to you in this, uh, I think there's a lesson to be learned here. Because the, the women were going to the tomb. They felt like they needed to go to the tomb. They didn't feel like Jesus had a proper burial, which as it turns out he actually had. They didn't know what Joseph and Nicodemus had done. Uh, but they were going there. They felt like they, we have to go do this. And on the way, in fact, that's the key term. They were what? On the way. They went anyway. It's that stone, we can't move the stone. We don't have any idea how this is going to work. But they went forward anyway. And see, that's what we need to do in our relationship with God and the Christian life. When we look at these obstacles and we see these obstacles and we don't know how. In other words, what if these ladies had just sat home? I don't know, we can't move the stone. What's the point of going? They wouldn't have run into Jesus, would they? At least not then. So they went forward. And this is something that we find repeated in the scripture, these kinds of things. When uh, Moses led the people of, of Israel out of Egypt and they found themselves stuck between the Egyptian army who had pursued them and the Red Sea, which there was no way for them to get across. It was impossible. No place for them to go. God was temporarily holding back the Egyptians for them. And, and they're, where are we going to go? And they're just like, uh, uh, uh. I know that that's in the Hebrew someplace. <laughs> and obviously they're crying out to God. Well, God, what's, you know, what are we going to do? It's interesting. So here, see what the, uh, God says to them. Exodus chapter 14. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to what? Go forward. But the Red Sea's there. Go forward. And as they begin to go forward, God miraculously parts the sea. You stand there, you don't experience that. You go forward, you do. Okay? Same thing happened uh, uh, 40 years later, roughly 40 years later. 
as Israel was coming out of the wilderness and, and entering into the promised land. And the problem was the Jordan River was in the flood stage. It was the kind of thing that if you tried to cross it, you would lose uh, livestock, you would lose material goods, you'd lose kids. I mean, it would have been really a, a problem. And so God says, we're going. You got to go. In fact, he gave some instructions to them. He says, I want you to go ahead and walk. And I want you to step in. Step into the water. Let's look here in Joshua chapter 3. And as those who bore the ark, remember that symbolized the presence of God amongst his people. Those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. The water which came down from upstream stood still and all Israel crossed over on dry ground. But what did they have to do? They said, okay, God, this is what you've given us to do. This is what you've told us to do. And for you and I, we're thinking, what has God told us in the word to do? If he says, do this, do that, I don't know how we're going to do it. But he says, go do it. Okay, I got to go forward with this. I got to go forward. And it may be that I have to step into it to see God work. And then he does. But so it's about trusting God because he can deal with the insurmountable obstacles in our lives. That's first resurrection vista that we see here. Let's take our Bibles again. John 20. And so as we read the story, you know, Simon Peter and John, they, they went to see the tomb and they, they, they believed that his body wasn't there, but they didn't really understand that resurrection yet. And by the way, I think we need to give the disciples some grace. I mean, I already said already, have you noticed, you seen anybody rise from the dead lately? Okay. Well, they hadn't either. Um, they'd seen Lazarus, but that was, you know, now Jesus is dead. And he talked about rising, but what did he mean by that? Because obviously he's dead. What did he mean? Anyway, so they, they didn't know for sure. That's what I want you to see in verse number nine. For as yet they did not know. They did not understand that word could be translated. They did not know or understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. All right? They didn't realize that. Uh, but was he risen? He was. But they didn't know it. And they didn't understand it. All right? Let's go on down to verse number 14. Uh, Mary Magdalene is here. You know, the body's gone. She sees the angels. They say, what are you, you, know, what are you looking for? And then verse 14. Now, when she had said this, she turned around, saw Jesus standing, and did not know that it was Jesus. You know, why is that? I don't know. I don't know if the Lord kind of held back her eyes, or it may be that, uh, you know, I mean, if you aren't expecting to see somebody because they're dead, you know, and they look a little, who knows? We don't know. But the point is, she didn't realize it was him. She is standing in the presence of Jesus and doesn't know it's him. And that's what she says. She talks to him, right? or excuse me, Jesus talks to her, verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And, and so she didn't even recognize Jesus. But was he there? They didn't understand that he had risen, but had he risen? She didn't recognize Jesus was there, but was he there? Okay, so here's another resurrection vista for you. The Lord is working in your life even when you don't recognize it. Even when you don't 
understand it or see it. He is at work in your life. That's a huge truth. If you can take that in, what does that mean? Because I think a lot of us, you know, find ourselves from time to time, don't we wish God was doing something? God, why aren't you doing something? And if we could see, we would discover he is doing something. He's working in us. He's working in our hearts and minds. He's working in our circumstances. He's working in ways that we aren't even aware of. So I uh, had the opportunity, privilege, whatever you want to call it, I drove from here all the way to JFK International Airport in New York City and back yesterday to pick up my daughter and her family who've been away in Chile for a year. So I drove down there and back. You know you get killed doing that? <laughs> I mean, there are cars everywhere. In fact, coming back on the other side of the road, there were two accidents within the space of a mile or two and emergency vehicles and all. Crazy stuff. Now, I can't tell you what went on in the background, but I have no problem at all envisioning the fact that uh, God protected me and us. You know, that he diverted that driver who was under the influence so he didn't cross my path. That he, he gave a, a, a truck driver an inkling that something isn't quite right with my brakes and, and he pulls off and checks on them instead of crushing the little Prius I was driving. Um, timing, now, by the way, so let's just be fair here. The reality is, is that God could have just as well said, it's, it's Walt's time to come home and also arrange that. But the idea is he's working behind the scenes. Now, did you, did you work this last week and get a paycheck? And you earned it. You worked hard to earn it, didn't you? But have you ever given thought the fact that God may have, especially with the way the world has been in the last year or so here, God may have intervened at some point to keep the business you work for in business so that you'd have a paycheck this last week. See, God works behind the scenes and he's always working, if nothing else, on us and preparing us. And so if we could see, in the, in the Old Testament, there's a story, the prophet Elisha, and he had a servant. And, and they were in the city and the enemy surrounded the city and they, it was just huge army and they were coming, they were going to defeat. You know, there was no way they could stand up against them. It's one of those overwhelming obstacles, okay? And this uh, Elisha's servant says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, let's read here. Second Kings, there was an army surrounding the city. And the servant says, alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha says, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so the servant probably looked around and said, one, two, three. I don't think so. Uh-uh. And then Elijah pray, Elisha prays and says, Lord, I pray. Open his eyes that he may see. Go ahead. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God was working and they couldn't see it. They didn't know it. Elisha understood it. When God opened their eyes, they could see it. And so let me encourage you. When you find yourself discouraged, because you're saying, where's God? 
What's he doing? Why isn't he doing? The reality is, is that he is there. And he is at work. And if you know him as Savior, if you've received him as Savior, he's at work in you. And if you haven't made that decision yet, he's at work in you, drawing you. And I know that because you're hearing these words here today. God is at work in your life. All right, let's, let's go back to the scriptures here. Verse 16. So Mary has uh, talked to, to Jesus not knowing it was him, but then Jesus said to her, Mary. And this is the point that all of a sudden she realized who he was. Mary, she turned and said in Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And if we look at the other passages, we see some more interaction. Uh, but what was it? What was it that got her all of a sudden to see things differently? What did Jesus say? He called her by name. Personal. Very personal. And so here's the third vista here. The Lord is pursuing a very personal relationship with you. A very personal relationship. He, he wants that kind of relationship. Uh, he knows you by name. Isaiah 43 says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Very, very personal. And the Lord talks about this in, in the Gospels. He talks about we grow in our relationship with the Lord and, and our, our relationship becomes more personal, more intimate. In John chapter 14, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And he isn't just talking about being indwelt by the Holy Spirit when you get saved. He's talking about we're going to come in and make ourselves at home with you. It's like that person who, if you live with anybody else in your house, they know you, don't they? It's very, very personal. That is the kind of relationship which the Lord desires to have from you, with you. And he, as you grow in your understanding of that and you, you surrender to that and open yourself up to that, you begin to experience a relationship that's, I mean... Don't raise your hands here, but anybody have a friend? And we don't all have this kind of friend, and that's sad to say. But anybody have a friend you feel like, wow, yeah, like they know me. I'm open, they're open. Uh, but can I venture something here? I would say to you that there are probably still things about each other that you aren't always perfectly open about, even with that person. But see, with the Lord, you can have that kind of relationship. Because guess what? He already knows. <laughs> right? And so you can have that kind of personal relationship with him. And look here, let's, let's go back to the scriptures here. You know, this kind of relationship starts when we receive Christ as Savior. Go to the end of the chapter, chapter 20 again, verses 30 and 31. It says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. 
Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the, the, the Savior who was to come into the world and to save us from the penalty of our sins. He is the Son of God, just as the Scripture says. And so the idea here is, that, and, and, and portrayed throughout Scripture, that if we will be honest with ourselves before God and say, yeah, I have sinned. I haven't done everything God has, says I should do. And I've done plenty of things he said I shouldn't do. And sometimes I did the right things, but I had my selfish motives. I haven't loved God as I should. I haven't loved others as I should. I have failed. And we become honest about that and before God, and we acknowledge that. And then we understand that Jesus is the Savior. He did come and die on the cross. As he died on the cross, he didn't have to do that, you know. He said, I could have called a bunch of angels and done something different. But he didn't. So as he hangs there on the cross, God the Father takes the penalty for my sins and your sins, the sins of the whole world, and Jesus dies paying the penalty for that sin so that we wouldn't have to. Rises again from the dead. You know, that, that demonstrates that God accepted that sacrifice. And we can understand that and believe that, then we can make a decision to say, you know what? I've blown it. I'm, I'm turning away from my own way of, of trying to fix things because I can't. And, and by the way, you can't. I can't fix this. Jesus did this for me. Oh God, I, by faith, I believe that. By faith, I, I accept Jesus as my savior. I accept his payment for my sins. And when you sincerely, honestly do surrender your will to God in that, that very moment, he forgives every sin. He died for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. And he, he forgives, that forgiveness is applied to you. And when this life ends, you go to heaven to be with him. And, and he moves inside of you at that point in time and starts working and changing and helping you to grow and, and become a different kind of person, a better kind of person, the kind of person you really want to be. It's a lifetime process, but he doesn't leave us. But there's that decision that you need to make. That's how you start this personal relationship with him. And at the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to very consciously make that decision. Okay? All right. So look back here at the scripture again. Verse number 17. Okay, so Mary has, has talked to Jesus. She recognizes Jesus. And we don't necessarily have all everything that was said here. We have a concise version. And it says, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So Jesus says what? Here, I got something for you to do. I have something for you to do. Now, who else was there? As far as we know. Nobody else. Just her. And so, who else could go tell the disciples, I've seen the Lord, he's risen from the dead. Nobody else at this point. Only she could do it. So here's the next vista. The Lord has work for you to do that only you can do. Work for you to do that only you can do. There's only one of you. 
And sometimes when we're not really feeling good about ourselves, we say, well, that's a good thing. There's only one of me. But the reality is, is that God knows you intimately and there are things about you that he made that way for you to be you and for you not to be somebody else. And because of that, I mean, it talks about this in Psalm 139, says that talking to God, he says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. God formed us. The, the basic ways that we are. And because of that, he has work for us to do. We, every one of us made in the image of God, he created Adam in the image of God and then Eve from Adam and then all of us from them. We all bear the image of God in some way or another. Now sin has gotten in the mix and, and, and kind of veils that image of God. It has created some scars, maybe some cracks, some dents. But the image of God is still there. And, and the reality is that it is unique to each of us. There's something about God that he desires to reveal to the world through you. And it can only be revealed to the world through you. Because you're a unique creation of his. And so, think of, does that, does that, is that exciting? Is it scary? Puzzling maybe? Yeah. But it's true. That means he has something for you to do that only you can do in the world. Well, what is it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We already talked today. Maybe this is a huge obstacle to you. I don't know. So what do you do? Go forward. He'll show you. He'll deal with it. He'll help you. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He, he knows what we, he wants me to do. He, he knows who he wants me to be. Filled with him. Changed by him, but uniquely me according to his plan. And that's every one of you here. You know, even if today you are in despair and you can't see it, I'm telling you it's true. I'm telling you Jesus is at work in your life even though you don't recognize it. And one of the things is because he has something for you to do that only you can do. He made you for it. And by the way, when you get into that and you start living this way, all of a sudden, life does get exciting. It can get scary, challenging. But man, this is cool. When you start being who God made you to be, doing what God has given you to do, you're living out the things of his word the way you live it out because of who you are. That's going to energize you. It's not going to wear you out. And so much talk. I'm not going to, I'll just keep going here. All right. Finally, let's look at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Just stop right there. What was the situation? The door was shut. Who shut the door? The disciples shut the door. Why? They were afraid. That makes sense, probably? Makes sense to me. They saw Jesus get killed and the... You know, they were probably next, they figured. So they shut the doors, they locked doors because they are afraid they shut the doors. And what happens? Jesus came and stood in the midst. 
How do you do that? Well, I don't know, but he did, didn't he? Didn't open the door, he just shows up on the other side of the door. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And we've heard the rest of the story this morning how Thomas wasn't there. Thomas doesn't believe. He becomes doubting Thomas. Uh, verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them this time. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. So he, he comes inside the doors again. They got the doors shut again, but Jesus shows up anyway. And he said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here, put it at my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, he believed. But here's what I want you to see. And this is another vista. Like I said, we got the resurrection. That's the story line that we're following through here. This is one more resurrection vista. And that's no matter how tightly you shut the doors of your life, Jesus can get through to you. Amen. You know, life happens with a, a great degree of regularity. And often that includes pain, doesn't it? It includes things that make us fearful. You know, when we feel pain, and over, we don't want to feel it again. I don't want to feel it again. And so we are fearful and we... We typically talk about we build walls, right? Well, the analogy here is we shut and lock the door. I'm going to shut and lock the door to this or to that. Um, and the problem is, is we often shut and lock the doors toward things that really God intends to be good things in our lives. They're, they're relationships with people that we have shut and locked the door to. There's uh, opportunities that God wants to bring our way, but we have shut and locked the door because of our past experiences and our fears, whatever we're wrestling with. You know, maybe it's even God that we, God let this stuff happen in my life and we don't understand the things we've talked about here today and so we lock and shut the door to God, right? But what God wants to do is bring healing to us in those areas of our lives. Those areas where we are the most hurting, the most scarred, the most damaged. He desires to bring healing into that. And he, often he's going to use other people. But the problem is we've done what? Shut the doors and bolted it. Shut. We don't want to have it. Well, here's the good news. If you know the Lord, doors can't stop him. He can come in. He loves you. He wants a personal relationship with you. Now, sometimes he's stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20, he's talking to the church at Laodicea who really did not have their act together. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. He said, what's that about? Personal relationship. Close, who do you eat with? More likely it's people that you are, have a relationship with. So I will come in and dine with you and, and he with me. All right, so sometimes he does that. But there are times when we are too scarred and too scared to open the doors. We're like a kid in his bed who has had a terrible nightmare. And he has the covers pulled up over his head and his head is under the pillow. And he is just distraught. What does a parent do? 
stand at the door and go, hey, buddy, can I come in? They might start there, but what are they going to do? They're going to come into the room and go sit down at the bed and say, hey, and put their hand on them and say, hey, listen, it's okay. It's all right, I'm here. You're not alone, I'm here, okay? We're going to be all right. And that's what Jesus will do for us. Those times when we, like I said, we're too scared, we're too scarred to open the door, he's going to come, he'll show up on the other side of the door and, and put his arm around us and say, I'm here. I'm here. Peace. It's going to be all right. I'm here. Isn't it good news? That no matter how tightly we shut the doors, he can get in. And he will. And so these are resurrection vistas, things that we can see along the story of the resurrection. And because he's risen, if he wasn't risen, these things wouldn't be true. But he is risen and they are true. And I told you earlier that I wanted to give you an opportunity, you who are here today, you who are watching, and, and you who maybe are listening later, I want to give you an opportunity to settle the issue of your relationship with Christ once and for all. So let's just all bow our heads here today for a little bit. If you're here and you say, yeah, I, you know, I, I haven't ever really settled that issue once and for all. I've never done what you talked about, receiving Christ as Savior. I've, maybe I believed in him or I knew about him, but I haven't ever done that. And you understand that you've sinned against him and that you need a Savior. If that's you, right, in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can pray silently. God knows what you're praying in your heart and mind. You pray along with me silently. You don't have to use my exact words. They're not magic words. You just talk to God. If you're saying, I want to receive Christ as Savior, I want my sins forgiven, I want eternal life, if that's you, then right now, silently, pray something like this to God. Say, say God, I know that I have sinned against you. And my sins have separated me from you. I do believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. I do believe that he died for my sins and rose again. And right now, I accept Jesus as my Savior. I personally receive Christ as my Savior. I put my faith in Jesus for my forgiveness of sins. Amen. Still everybody's head closed, eyes, heads closed, heads bowed, eyes closed. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you prayed that prayer with me to raise your hand. Because what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to take a step of faith and to acknowledge. Nobody else looking around but me, but I want you to take a step of faith and acknowledge. Yes, I prayed with you to receive Christ as Savior, and then I, that way I also know so I can pray for you. So if you just prayed with me to receive Christ as Savior, nobody else looking around, would you just lift your hand up so I can see it and put it back? Nice. I see that hand. Others? I see that hand. I see that hand. Yep. I see that hand. Yep. Others? Yes, you can put your hands down now. Thank you. Father, thank you so much for these who raised their hands, saying they prayed with you to receive Christ. I pray, Father, that you will give them an assurance that they have made that decision, that once and for all decision, um, and that they now have 
every sin forgiven, they have eternal life and you have moved in and are going to begin working on them from the inside out to help them grow and change. And I pray, Father, they will let us help them with that. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say to those of you who are watching, if you, or if you're listening later, if you prayed to receive Christ, would you let us know? Send us a message. Send me a message if you want. Or uh, on our Facebook page, you can send a message. We'll get that. And we'd really love to, to talk with you about that and help you with that. Let me encourage you, those of you who prayed, you prayed today to receive Christ as Savior, that there's a, a place out here in the foyer where there's a bunch of signs that talk about growing. It says the path. Let me encourage you just to stop by there. My wife will be there and just say, hey, pastor suggests that I stop by and, and she can talk to you and maybe give you something that would be of help to you, okay? And help you to figure out some, how to go forward from that. So folks, as near as I could tell, we had four people in here today receive Christ as Savior. Isn't that great? Now, Christians, those of you who already received Christ as Savior, you've already done that, let me encourage you. Would, you. would you go out and live this week like Jesus has risen? I can't help but think that, because I know he did me, that, that the Lord spoke to you about something today. He encouraged you about something, challenged you about something, made something clear to you. Embrace it, okay? And go live it. All right, happy Easter to you. And God bless you. Go have a great day.